Cradeline Network. My name is Connor, and I'm Frank Fox, the 282nd episode of Space Spinner 2000 podcast, where two Americans are to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November 1993, progs 860 to 863. This time, Dread's punching mummies, Feral is punching wizards, and Mean Machine is punching everybody, plus we're starting two new thrills. Time House and Cannon Fodder. <laughs> mm. And if, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in um, Judge Dredd The Complete Case Files 20 and the Judge Dredd Magazine 278 and 306. How you doing, Fox? Bro, I'm, I'm fucking vibing right now, dude. I'm vibing, you know? Oh, yeah, bro? Yeah, I'm, I'm really vibing right now. Got these... Uh, Got these headphones on, talking to you with this here microphone. It's just like a total vibe. Like, we're going to talk about something in a second. Absolutely. Hey, you know which classic movie monster has the most vibes, Fox? Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Um, electric monster. Wolfman. But let's talk about mummies in <laughs> Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Is there an electric monster? feel like there is. I don't think so. I mean, I always, I, I, maybe I'm just thinking Scooby-Doo with that electric beast that they fought, which yeah. was just a guy in a suit. Electric Monster seems ambitious for the era of monster movies that I'm thinking of, where it's mostly just like oh, yeah. costumes made out of carpet samples. And stuff oh, yeah. Like Invisible that, Man know? stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, script robot for this one, Mark Miller and Grant Morrison. Art robot, Dermot Power, letting robot, Tom Frame. Hey, it's a boy. That symbol we were talking about. Uh, dread. <laughs> the pinched fingers emoji. Mm. Dread is in Luxor, the dread world Egypt for a cultural exchange. We see him. He's flying out on a pretty sweet hover bike in Egyptian colors, the big gold cobra on it as Luxor Judge Kahun. Oh, wow. Yeah, they really do have cobra commander colors on this shit. This really reminds me of, a, of specifically of a Serpentor's hovercraft from the G.I. Joe, the movie. Serpentor, so, so dope. That helmet, big boss energy, you know? Yeah, man. He's got snakes coming over his shoulder from, like, his back. Yeah. And he can pull one out, and it turns into a spear. Yeah. And he throws it at somebody. And then another snake. He's got, like, five snakes back there. I listened. But- He's got a motif. My brother and I got uh, G.I. Joe the movie on V. Sorry, very early aside here. We got G.I. Joe the movie on VHS when we were kids. And we watched it so much that, yeah, the it, tape that we, had to, we had to get a new tape. Yep. And the tape had really weird tracking, too. So I think it actually did permanent harm to our VCR Ooh. trying to get it to play and stuff. Like magnetic that. strips, man. They'll play hell on your VCR. Now I got it on Blu-ray. It's the perfect crime. You know, speaking, um, anyway. of, speaking of motifs, oh. these guys... They throw their prisoners into a giant labyrinth underneath the Sphinx, and then when That's they right. get out of there, or their time then is they up, they them. just kill them. That's Damn. right. Yeah, the lab, the maze under the Sphinx, which only exists in conspiracy theories at this point. So yeah. maybe they just built one there just in case. Yeah, Dread says that must save on, must save on on paperwork. But honestly, doesn't seem too keen on on uh, adopting it to Mega City One. I mean, he he seems pretty laissez faire about the whole thing. So I don't give a, a dang. 
He's very much just humoring these guys, I feel like. He's making a lot of wisecracks constantly whenever they tell him about this stuff. We see how people in in Luxor fear the judges. They can be publicly flogged for merely giving a judge a dirty look. I mean, that's not so (laughs) dissimilar to Mega City 1. You know, there's there's lines for sure. Uh, Dredd observes his blind obedience and is then brought before Chief Judge Giza, who's going full Pharaoh. God dang, dude. This guy... This guy knows, this guy knows how to vibe. Tiger and all. Absolutely. Yeah, he's got buff dude bodyguards yeah. with like Stargate heads. Yeah. And, and a dang, like you say, a dang pet tiger just chilling. I know. It's got that Russian oligarch feel to it. Mm-hmm. Live it up. Got a tiny giraffe and everything. <laughs> <laughs> he's upset about these recent judge killings, but promises that the killer will be brought to justice. Well, just bragging about the safety of his fear-ravaged streets and dreads, like, not not so safe for your judges. Yeah, I mean, they're dead, bro. Like you just said, like, this yeah. this is all contradictory. I'm not getting it through my dome, you know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, you know, but you on know the who street, is getting it through their dome? Oh, yeah, a pair of Luxor judges who have found some filthy rags on the street. When they poke them with, one, with their power rods, it turns out to be that dang mummy. That's what I want to name my child, Power Rod. That's what it is. It can shock you and stuff. It grabs the judges by their faces and sucks their juices out with a weird alien tongue kind of thing until they're just withered corpses. And indeed, the mummy shouts, I need your juices. Need to drink them. Make me strong. He's got one of their whole heads in his mouth at the end. That's right. Drinks I, it right from the source, the nose hole. That's the that's the gateway to the rest of the juices no, I mean, of the it, body. The whole, like the neck is through the jaws, and he doesn't bite the head off. He's just drinking. Yeah, well, he doesn't want the. You know, he's one of those. He's one of those people that doesn't like the pulp and orange juice. You know, oh, so he's yeah. got to sort of gotta extract it, it a orifice. certain way so it's nice and smooth. You know, <laughs> God damn it, that's how you do it. Dread and Kamun investigate the murder judges. Dread once more doubting the toughness of these guys. Meanwhile, the chief judge goes to sit oh, not on his pharaoh's this. throne, but the porcelain throne, Fox. And they're out of paper. Oh, the indignity. I'll say also just being the chief judge and not having a palatial private toilet, but just having to go in the stalls like a common jerk. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, well, it does have the snake symbol on it. That's how you know it's his commode. But it's also the middle stall, so it's a total power move. Yeah, It's a power Ten- move, man. You take no, middle, middle stall. Yeah. Middle urinal is a power move. Middle stall is just, you're just one numb, one cog in the machine. Anyway, some paper gets rolled under the door, but it's not bog roll. It's mommy bandages. Yeah, I don't wipe with that. You'll get cursed. Mm, totally seven years of bad poops. The mummy bursts through the door and feeds on the chief. Which is just listen. Don't burst down that partition door. I don't like that. Yeah, makes me gives me nightmares. Dreads on the scene and fires an incendiary around the mummy, but that doesn't stop it. Still burning, the monster punches Dread out the side of a giant floor to ceiling window that was right apparently right across the hallway from these bathrooms, which seems like bad bathroom design. But I mean, you know, be, after you take a poop, you want to observe the city, and also think of, think of all the comical awnings you can have at that point. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dredd goes out the side of the window, falls through six awnings, and lands on a fruit vendor, which breaks his fall, of course. But the beast has escaped. Whoops. Next, we see Dredd has put on a pretty sweet cloak. Always love a cloak on Dredd as he heads down. It's really cool. Plus the scarab, like, clasp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good. 
And he gets shown around Luxor, recycle as we learn, only the richest gets mummified, and then everybody else is, you know, used for parts and stuff. Yeah, everything um, except the screen. Yeah, what I mean, they've like, you know, while we, you know, and we see the chief judge being put into mummy bandage. I'll mention this isn't that different from how it works in Mega City One, where recycle also uses that. Um, catchphrase which i think was like from a butcher like an like a butcher company in england or something okay like for like you know how they deal with pigs we use everything but the squeal i believe is the yeah. original well, it's also tagline. not it's also not all that different in terms of how they treat like chief and senior judges when they pass they don't just toss their ass and recycle i mean they do though because there was that one time hershey got knocked out and got tossed into recycle and almost got taken apart but then well, she came alive again part way through she doesn't but have, there is like she doesn't have those super genes or whatever that some of them do i guess i don't know that's fair also like in mega city one the like the rich can be taxidermied and put into poses and stuff as we're seeing in on big meg one right now where you know someone's competing in the taxidermy event in the in the future olympics Jesus. you know the future Olympics. The year 2042. <laughs> Thank you. Your name echoes in the halls of the universe. Um, anyway. That's, that's, Man, that's, last, that's been a long time since we referenced that on episode 15 or 16. Damn. The moon Olympics. Yeah, dude. Um, But so anyway, we see the chief, the chief judge's organs removed and put into canoptic jars and then Wrapped in linen, put in a sarcophagus. Which striking resemblance to, you know, King Tut, I guess. But, you know. Yeah, you want to you wanna be judged by a pharaoh, put the chief in a sarcophagus. <laughs> oh, the Kanye West fans are loving it. Then everyone heads out to the red sands of the desert at sunset, which looks very cool. And it go does. to the Great Pyramid, where the chiefs will be interred with some human sacrifices, as you do. They, they're doing this really because I love I love I know everyone's fucking tired of it, but I love this because they're they're doing the contrast of oranges and blues. It's fucking mm. everywhere in this comic and it looks so good. Totally. Yeah, it's it's I think it's a little bit more or it's like it's on that same scale as that sort of uh, um, like what do I like, want to say as, as that hack movie poster design or whatever, where it's the teal and, yeah. and yellow or whatever, but it's sort of a, a darker tone of that, I would say, but still contrast. Yeah, no orange oranges and um, darker burnt shades of oranges make blues pop. Yeah. So dread feels out of place as part of this weird, um, you know, pagan funeral service or Egyptian funeral service. I yeah. Guess, he's like, Jay. look, I was like, fucking I'm done with this. I don't need to see this dumb thing. Thank you. I'll just go, go get dinner. But Kamun says he's very welcome here, but then zaps him in the neck with his staff. Ah, dip, buddy. Wrong guy to yeah. zap. Kamun monologues to the unconscious dread that he brought the lawman here, not for cultural exchange, but to be meat for his master. That dang mummy. Ah, buddy. Come on. I thought this was a cultural exchange. No. Meat exchange. Dread comes to chained to two pillars, Samson style. Oh, fluid exchange. Kamun, That's what I should have said. Gross. Kamun <laughs> starts to monologue. He's part of a group that venerates the ancient gods of Egypt and a prophesized messiah oh named Ankor. Apparently, some drilling operations found an ancient cave system in the desert where they found the mummified body of Ankor. They got a lizard out of a years. cave. Yep. I, this is. It's such. It's such a long monologue telling the story for, for what <laughs> eventually happens, which is just chain whipping. 
Yeah, he's alive and hungry for juices, a.k.a. the Ka of humanity. And of course, they need Ka, J- Dred's Ka specifically because he's such a badass. You know, line of the Judda, etc. Yeah. Dred, who's been wisecracking through all of this, has had enough. He rips his chain right off the wall, says, Dred's off the menu. Oh, buddy. Then I'd say he's off the chain. He beats up the <laughs> other Luxor judges with his chains and chases down Kamun and cho- chokes him to death with it. He goes to some Anubis-headed dudes and asks for the way out. Like, They're the like, hey, man, there isn't about? one. Yeah, that's, yeah you're came dumb. In you, <laughs> yeah, we ate the poison root. Like, you should have taken the suicide poison like we did, man. Now you're just going to get sealed and die the hard way. Yeah, all the Anyway, I'm dead. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they fall down dead. And indeed, we see that the tomb will start to seal as the whole place fills with sand. Bad times indeed. Next time on Dread Fox, the sands of eternity. I hope his sands of time don't run out. Oh, God. You can just remove that from the recording. Insert Prince of Persia reference. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he can use his time daggers to go not be here. God damn it. Okay, fuck it. We're moving on. Look at me. I'm Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> you know, I wonder if he comes to set like that. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm Jake Gyllenhaal. Hey, look. I, ma- I imagine both of them do. You know, Maggie sister showing up in the dark. Night. I'm Maggie Gyllenhaal. What's up? <laughs> anyway, speaking of everybody fighting everybody, Fox, let's go to Thrill to Meet a Rita. Uh, it's a battleground bit. Blitz. Battleground Blitz. <laughs> Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Anthony Williams, letting robot Jack Potter. You Tough know, fighter. I, oh, sorry, go ahead, please. I, I can tell you right now, from start to finish, I love Mean Arena. It's fine. <laughs> it's so Tough. stupid. It's so stupidly <laughs> yeah. good. Tough fighter Sam Granger's been forced to fight his buddy Meat Grinder on the stage of the Mean Arena. Meat's allowed himself to become incapacitated in the ring, causing the at home audience to vote whether he lives or dies, and they voted death. But Meat has other plans. Oh, yeah. And does something to invoke his right to super brawl. Yeah, he uses, uh, he does this like little ribbon dancing thing or whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, high above the earth, the Albion communications satellite is hit by a missile as the boss of the network is furious that Meat Grinder clearly threw his fight last yeah, episode. Yeah, suck on that one, King Arthur. <laughs> Yeah, he wants meat killed, and he wants to see the governor of the arena right away. Back in the arena, we learn that the Super Brawl is a massive battle royal. Every man for himself, but Sam and Meat are going to team up during it. That, this is the, Sam, You're a wrestle man. Like, listen. Like, they're going to end this on Oh, absolutely. On a yeah, we're gonna, listen, I'm meat, gr- I'm meat Grinder, and I'm in a rainbow. I want to fight everybody in the Elimination Chamber, Fox. Oh, hell yes. Familiar with the Elimination Chamber in a in a WWE? Isn't box? that the giant ca- cage match? Well, yeah, they, it's 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 a more modern thing where basically like it's it's all like like clear plastic and like uh, and like carbon fiber and stuff. Hell yeah, and everybody's got to be in these metal pods which oh, open what, automatically. What the fuck? That's great. And 
they like they open like pneumatic doors and stuff, and there's a lot of like sometimes you try to get into somebody's pod and fight them, or like you know you like you're like you're oh, seeing your buddy shit. get like beat a up bunch outside of the chambers, pod and, yes. and you can't get into them, and so they let people in and you fight around, and you can like jump off the pods and stuff like that. This dude, uh, uh, Kofi Kingston, got himself into uh, winning the title belt at WrestleMania because he kicked ass in the. Uh, in the Elimination Chamber in uh, yes. 2019, I want to say. Something like that. 2020? Maybe early 2020. No. But anyway. This is cool as hell. Some year. It's fun. Um, anyway. Oh, where am I? Back in the arena. Yeah. we. Um, Sam runs backstage and is heard into a clear plastic tube, as are a bunch of other fighters. The tubes then brought out where Meat Grinder is waiting. The Super Brawl is about to begin when suddenly the broadcast satellite is destroyed and the show goes off the air. Mm. Oh, that dang raven on that uh, golf cart cut the feet to WrestleMania, Fox. Oh, what the fuck? All these deep dives. Someone told me they like the stuff, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit. Anyway, Mean Arena's off the air and the station boss is super pissed. Suddenly a bunch of dudes in suits barged in. They're from Britsat Communications International. Which, which I guess, like, one of them is Japanese. And they have a very aggressive offer to merge with Albion Communications, or they can kill everybody here with the machine guns they also brought on the contracts. I feel like the cutthroat world of corporate dynamics in this setting is pretty fucking bad. <laughs> Listen... If I have one, if, if, if I can say one thing, it's that unlike a previous Alan McKenzie story of Universal Soldier, we are not focusing on on on, on boardroom dynamics, which is so, fantastic. I mean, listen, this, this one it's over and done with quite quickly. Yeah this this feels more like it would be it's setting up some plot points for like Mean Arena Two or something like yeah, that. Oh yeah, to be honest. yeah. Because whatever happens, they seem to have come to a deal and we're back on the air right away. Yep. Um, as fighting re- resumes them in the in the Super Bowl, Meat Grinder is taken on Black Belt Jones and literally disarms him. The injured Jones hits a square on the floor that unleashes another fighter, the giant gut buster I, who I, kicks. God, I love that Black there are, Belt Jones to death. I love that there yeah. are buttons on the floor that that uh, fucking just release more fighters. Don't step on. Yeah, it's got kind of a kind of a crypt of the necro dancer kind of look to yeah. it or something like that. <laughs> Um, then, um, so he, so Gutbuster kills BBJ and then goes to fight Meat, but then Meat hits him with BBJ's severed cyber arm. Yeah. Suddenly Sam, Sam's called in and Meat tells him. <laughs> yeah. F- yeah. Finger poker do meet your heart out. Oh, all the oh, wrestling. Beautiful. Things. Wrestling things that hadn't even happened yet in 1993. Someone's starting to like Meat Arena. <laughs> Suddenly Sam is called in and Meat tells him to take down Gutbuster, which he does by gut, by Ball busting him, kicks him in the junk. Jesus. More squares are hit, calling forth both the terrorist <laughs> and the garbage man, Duke the Dumpster Drozzi, of course, who are a team, apparently. If Sam's smart, he'll team up with those two against Meat. Nah, man. Meat Grinder takes out the terrorist and the garbage man both at once, Jesus when suddenly Christ. more fighters enter the field, including a cyber samurai and, and our friend the Black Widow. Hell yeah. Plus a dude... In a silver suit and some kind of like old timey pilot dude. Yeah, he's huge. Meanwhile, some more evil Japanese businessmen have arrived to take over for Governor Agrippa as he's arrested for fight fixing and totalizer fraud. 
He's taken away as all the fixing for the fight is removed and instantly releasing the rest of the fighters into the Super Brawl yeah, as man. booby traps open up all over the field. He's like, hey, listen, there's not going to be any more fixing and we'll let the best warrior win. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. And then it's just like fists flying goddamn everywhere. Yeah, it's a slaughter. We see Black Widow take some guy out the booby trap and meet and Sam stand back to back fighting for their lives and not doing too bad, to be honest. It was a good plan. Was fast- yeah, listen, always good to be back to back with your bro, Fox, like you and me against these thrills. You oh, know? gosh. Specific ones in general. <laughs> it's Fast and Furious fighting. There's a caveman dude and a Shaolin monk dude and a dude the green sweater and Sam's taking them all on. Sante, the the monk dude, seems to get the better against Sam, but before he can take him out, his neck is snapped, is snipped by the electro whip of Black Widow, who's saving Sam for herself. But before they can before they can start doing it on the battlefield, Widow's taken out by a nut by some other guy, and Sam punches him, saying, Don't diss my woman. I don't know. Hey, I'm listen, to remember man, I when think this became a term. I nice. think they're both sadomasochists very clearly. Good times. And then just sort of general fighting all around, you know, it goes um, soon. It's just down to three fighters and then one as just Sam and meat grinder are left on the on their feet. Then both of them are so exhausted that they simultaneously do a flare flop and just fall flat on their faces un, un, without being touched. It's a draw. And it's a tie. That means everybody survives. And we'll settle everybody's hash next time on Mean Arena. Oh, hell yeah. Please tell me it's shower return. The end of Mean Arena. No. It will not return. Oh. Well, it was beautiful. Like a like a shining, exploding star into a supernova. Nothing gold can stay, Fox. It's so <laughs> Although I don't think that this was particularly gold, but it was fine. I mean, listen, it it reveled in its stupidity, which is more than I can say for some of these. Fair, fair. I'm just like, I guess for me, it's just way in the shadow of uh, a oh. slaughter bowl, which oh, I love. Yeah, ton, you know. Yeah, I mean, or mean arena for that matter. Classic Mean Arena? I don't know. (laughs) Classic Mean Arena ran its course. (laughs) We we reached the end of that one the hard way, you know? Yeah, exactly. So So let let silly dogs lie. Yeah, on the back of a dozen Tom Tully specials. (laughs) But anyway. Hand. Mysterious hand. There were a fair amount of mysterious hands looking at a monitor. Actually, that was what evened up the matches in this. But yeah, fine. Fine stuff. Okay. You know who's not okay, Fox? Uh, I'm not okay. The tortured ghost of Johnny Alpha in Thrill 3 Strontium Dogs. Man, the backwards fucking contorted stretches that this thing goes to. (laughs) Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Nigel Dobbin, lighting robot Ellie DeVille. Last episode, we learned that evil space wizard Charn L uh, was actually Feral's Faja. Ooh. And we do another another movie reference. But that's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> but look into this flashback. You know it to be true. Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say this much. His mom was a pretty wild lady. 
Oh, yeah, we meet Anias Jackson, a very rich woman whose interests turn to dark magic, which led her to become the leader of the 22nd Century Hellfire Club, summon Charnel, and do it with him. I mean, listen, if you're going to summon a demon, you might as well. I mean, you're asking yourself, like, well, what's that like? You know? Yeah, come on. He already looks kind of like you're a wang anyway. Yeah, you're already necking him. Halfway there. Anyway, this did not sit well with her husband, who was on a year-long galactic voyage at the time, and not stoked to come back to find his wife pregnant. Um, also, he cast- his horrible yeah. fucking reaction to that is to punch her in the face, where it's like, listen, man, I get it, you're angry. You should never punch a pregnant person in the face. You know how these rich people are, Fox. They don't care about nothing. Wow. Except money. And making sure that your cutlery is set in the exact right way or else they have an aneurysm. <laughs> it's a better life, to be honest. I don't know. Don't need tiny forks in my life, Conrad. Oh, but how do you how do you eat the delicious escargot, Fox? Comically large fork. Disagreement. You just you <laughs> smash the escargot. Get that sweet meat and some shell. That's right. Anyway. Anyway, she's cast out and forced to wander the rad wastes until she finally falls down and gives birth to Pharaoh. <laughs> um, falls falls she, down into a bed of mutants and just shoots that baby out. And boy, oh boy, even the rest yeah. of the crew there, they're like, this baby is gross. Yeah, she wanders the rad wastes until she gets to Milton Keynes and then gives dies giving birth to Pharaoh. He's not stoked to hear all this as the Lyrans then start chanting strange symbols over his body, which is tied to some kind of, you know, magic plinth. They're going to send Pharaoh into the afterlife to find Charnel and bring him back. It'll yeah. be cool. Listen, we got his but, bones already. Yeah. But first, Pharaoh, there's something you must do. Yeah, you got to die. Die. Whoops. <laughs> Pharaoh dies and the Lyrans guide his soul to the afterlife. It's pretty gross and painful as, you know, yeah. you see one guy casting the spells and a couple other wizards sort of backseat driving them, basically. Yeah, um, the the fact that you have to go through guts, I hate that idea. Yeah, he pushes Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh through the pain barrier into the mists of despair, where he's they they blind him in the process. He passes through the bladed walls of the halls of hell to the very bottom of the pit where the sp- spirit of Charnel is. It's found Pharaoh, and that's bad time. And he's all like, at last, my boy has come alone. My yeah. bodilessness <laughs> is over. Yeah, that's it. This is this is this is sort of a quick entry, but I I like the visuals by uh, Dobbin here. Oh, this hell yeah. Body horror here. Sort of a lot of Pharaoh like melting away to bones and then growing back as some weird spike monster and stuff like that. I mean, Enjoy it. You get to see his exposed tum tum and it's just like three egg sacks. It's like super gross while a mm-hmm. blade skeleton lifts him up. It's real. Uh, exactly. So it's a cool image. Yeah. Charnel and Pharaoh return to the land of the living. Charnel inhabiting his burnt old bones. He's learned so much in the afterlife and now prepared to make this galaxy a living hell, which they will rule from 12 dark thrones. And there's nothing any living being can do to stop them. Dude, this guy's way too high. Like, let him <laughs> let him calm down a little bit. Come down off that, uh, that bender he's been on. Newly re- resurrected, you know. It's like, oh, dude, I saw death. It was totally rad, and you gave me spells. <laughs> Meanwhile, apropos of nothing, Gronk has just crawled out of the pit he fell into last yeah. episode. Yeah, 
His blaster's okay, and he's all alone, except for the ghostly incarnation of Johnny Alpha in the wall. I don't know how I feel about this. Mm-mm. The Gronk wants to free him, but Johnny explains that this body he's in is just built to feel pain, his soul trapped in this cavern. He tells Gronk to free Pharaoh and destroy the cave because it'll make the Lyrans powerless and begs the Gronk to kill him. Johnny just, I mean, Gronk, he's he's been dead for so long. Just let, let a sleeping dog lie, you know? Yeah. The Gronk complies, though, and after a quiet moment, he turns towards us, a tear in his eye. I promises you, Mr. Johnny, no one here gets out alive. Except for Farrell. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Never mind. You really got to have an the exception Jer- on that one. <laughs> back at the Jervis Bay, the ship that the Gronk and Farrell flew to Lyre in, a whole bunch of guns are being loaded onto some kind of like a big future forklifty kind of thing. Yeah. And a few M2000 auto guns and an RCP9000 Super Zuka. Listen, you can never have enough space boxes with weaponry, you know? Absolutely. Meanwhile, Farrell, also alive once more, is embarrassed by his evil father. Even though all he wants from Farrell is his flesh. Yeah, he doesn't need the bones. Farrell prepares to strike with, you know, his claws and stuff when the Gronk shows up with a uh, with a gun whose barrel is big enough to take a nap inside. Yeah. And just starts blowing up the place. He takes out the sticky and arch. Oh. All guns open fire and the sorcerers are getting Brock Brockad to death. Or so it seems, as Charno calls the others to him. The Gronk says they've got to um, find the soul cocoon and take it out. Um, to take these jerks down once and for all, but Farrell isn't so sure. Soul cocoon. As, yeah, I guess that's sort of that that pain cavern that they were just in, like that, that Johnny was in. All right. But Farrell isn't so sure about all that as the black souls of the li- of the liars have started to fly out of their bodies and congeal into a big, scary shadow monster. Yeah, you got to sing the song of your people to conjure up your shadow beast. <laughs> Next time, warp out. Yeah, okay. He's going to turn into a monster, fight other monsters. I kind of get it. Yeah. I think we see see some previews along those lines of Pharaoh sort of, you know, getting into his. Yeah, shout at the devil. H.R. Geiger-esque, um, you know, alternate combat form. You yeah, know? finally, he's he's a goo monster. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Halfway, b- I don't know. B- about halfway, Fox. F- okay, I guess. Again, I think we, we we're, we're both pretty down on this ask on, on this badass gronk yeah and, you know just long-term bad feelings for pharaoh i think yeah because like I've, i started to love him and now it's just like it's all right we don't have to keep coming back to this well mm-hmm. well we're nearing the end of this one yeah it's boring. Anyway. just give give strong team dogs some breathing room <laughs> before that though hey speaking of, of of us taking some breathing room let's take a quick break with non-thrills covers and nerve centers yeah okay Sounds good. Yeah. Prog 860. Hellbound. Nigel Dobbin draws Feral in his weird rib cage yeah. headed to the underworld. And I really like how Dobbin hides his signature and things like here it's on. Uh, yeah, Feral's the belt buckle. buckle yeah, I saw that. And the Nerve Center Tharg announces both the debut of Time House and announces oh, the God. director of the upcoming Dread movie, Danny Cannon. Of course, last seen in Prague 534 when he designed a dread movie poster for like a a contest. He had a he had a perspective dread movie that was basically a uh, 
a reunion of a Blade Runner. You know, all your Blade Runner characters. Yeah, hey, I mean that it was hot at the time. Who knew Harrison Ford could uh, at one point in his career uh, act? I could see him being dread. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's so, possible. At that time, yeah. I don't think he'd. he'd I, I think he would also be against making you making him wear the helmet the whole movie. Oh right? yeah, yeah, you're right. There's also a droid profile on Time House writer Peter K. Hogan, and the K stands for no nonsense. Also, his <laughs> picture really reminds me of uh, Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good look. Anthony Stewart had. Giles um, was great. Midprog, there's an ad for some virtual reality game books, which I'm thinking are just virtual reality, like a like a choose your own adventure books that sort of have a you know going into a digital world to fight monsters. But presumably, if you die in the game, you die in real life kind of situations. All right. <laughs> the input page is a picture of the darkest judges, Judge Death and Pinhead from Hellraiser. You summon the dark judges. We came. <laughs> Letters include a call for a jihad against non-2000 AD fans, worry them, worry that their writers are reincarnation of Slain. There's a call for uh, Sigourney Weaver to be cast as Hershey and Michelle Ooh. Pfeiffer should be Anderson. I mean, both of those, yeah. I would be all right with them. I mean, I think Diane Lane is a, is a perfectly cromulent um, uh, Hershey, for the record. I sure. think that 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 is good casting on the part of that. Um, anyway, uh, also there's compliments for Glenn Fabry on Slain and wondering and wonderment about what the heck is going on in Tyranny What Rex, the as, heck is going on here? As so often happens with John Smith stories. Let's let it flow, buddy. Relax. Let the good times roll. But, Tell him, Dre. Yeah. It ain't nothing but comics. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. 861, Chris Weston gives us a cover for a new thrill. You won't have a prayer with Cannon Fodder. Oh, God. <laughs> as soon as I saw this, I was like, yeah, hey, you know, that's you see, really tight the- around, the, around the old uh, uh, melon thighs, you know? Absolutely, yeah. We see uh, Cannon, Watson, and the Hannibal Lecter S. Mycroft, as well as that giant gun holster, Right in the crotch. Right I mean, listen, if nothing says this is where my penis is, like a giant crotch holster. Again, classic two space spinner catchphrase of the subtext being text. <laughs> the subtext is this guy's got big dick. Yeah. A big yeah. In the nerve smoke. Well, in the in the nerve center, Tharg sets up some continuity or settles some continuity about Magruder recovering from her Inferno injuries for later stories. And then there's some teases about the return of the Statue of Judgment to Mega City 1. There's also a droid profile on editorial droid Cyb Odd, the Audrey Wong droid. Yes, that is her in the ads for the 2080 t-shirt. So awesome. It's got good style, man. Absolutely. Uh, Mid-prog, there's a general ads page, including a real like quarter page ad for a bunch of fake IDs and in uh, 2000 AD for shame. What the hell? The input page has two pages. There's a picture of a bunch of guns pointed at Walter. Print this or the Wobot gets it. Let me just say, you have no power here. That it's, is not a threat that I will respect. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you won't pull the trigger, I can help you with that. Exactly. There's a picture of a uh, of a Native American with chains kind of looking vigilante judge. I like it. Letters. Man. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's got it's it, 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 it's a very '90s feel. I'd say like it's poncho yeah. and stuff. 
Letters suggest weird Spanish gore movie Axion Mutante, which apparently is good if you're into that sort of thing. Um, question the mechanics of Dredd's bike reversing. Generally compliment the prog, and there is some bone picking about the historical nature of slain. Also, more slain compliments, disagreement over the use of the word Muppet, a girlfriend who has been exonerated over the breaking of a Joe Pineapple's mug in a previous Ooh. prog, and a little brother that has such an odd diet, he must be an alien. Also, like, the fucking historical facts of slain. Have they not? This comes up a lot. They, it comes up a did lot. Did they not see the fucking, like, fart monster that he fucking wrote on for a little while? No, 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 because Slain is historically based on the Irish character of Cuculain, and that's a real person in history. And so, if, Did he if, write if a dragon people, that ate gems? There's use of historical names, which places it within the historical record. Didn't he and marry so, like a, a goddess in this, where they're all like it's the th- uh, three goddesses: the Earth goddess Danu, who's like three. It's like the crone, the the midwife, and the fucking like the hot it, one. It, it must match up with this book of Irish history that I've read. That's slightly different than the book of Irish history that Pat Mills has read, and that's the only way it can be, Fox. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> like and yes, and yes, in the in the current Slain story, Slain has traveled several hundred years into the future to an entirely different historical area era where he is fighting a demon who is leading the Roman troops. I I'm just saying, we're looking at this right, and not even demon a demon who's pretending to be a human, like a demon but who's just an out, like pra- a, yeah, out and demon. proud blue skinned three eyed monster. Yeah, not not exactly the most popular look in fucking Rome, you know? It posits that Ireland exists because of a great flood that was caused out of spite by the Earth Goddess. Anyway. I just you know, what cool your jets. Listen, it's a comic book and not even one that's like it whatever. It what comic well, book is yeah. historically accurate? This is very much just you know, again, nerd gate keeping. You know, you sort of know some facts and you you're, you want to say some stuff about facts. them? Yeah, exactly. Just say yeah. I know some stuff and I read kind of the book you did. Prog 862, Dread Judge. Dermot Power draws the evil Judge Camoon standing over a bloody dread. Oh, no. Yeah. Tharks feeling the oncoming Christmas spirit as we see a picture from the Cyber Seed Cyber Convention with techno weirdos. I like the nerve look, center. Man. Has, that's, yeah. that's, that's like really going hard on uh, very gas mask forward. I yeah. Think. The Nerve Center is a picture of Waldo Dobbs, the house proud, or I guess like a housewife in England. I suppose he's got rubber gloves and he's doing the dishes. Letters demand to know what Dread looks like. Ask if digitizing his comics will make his computer self-aware. Hasn't yet. And professes their love for Morgan of, from the ABC Warriors. There's also a- oh, that's understandable. Over, over from Sullivan's home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can't, can't doubt it. Can't, can't like poo-poo. Prog ends with the Thrill Archives pinup of Hammerstein from the ABC Warriors, last seen in Prog 790. They'll be back in 1994. And finally, Prog 863, Vicious Circle. Sam and Meat Grinder stand back to back against the world, and that's covered by Anthony Williams. It's okay. In the Nerve Center, yeah, it's so fine. In the Nerve Center, Tharg plugs the Winter Special, which we'll discuss in a couple weeks. There's a picture of a pretty cool Judge Dredd yeah. pinball game, Fox. Pinboying Wizard. Yeah, I found one on, listed online for a measly 5,000 pounds. Oh, my God. I mean, but, like, someone's got to have it somewhere, right? Some barcade? Yeah, th- this, 
Oh, you're right. Yeah, maybe somewhere in the wild too. Like I guess it'd be like, like I, thirty years old by now. I mean, so here's it's so here's some factoids for you, right? So, mm-hmm. I like I went to you know when I was in Cyprus, there was like one bar that I had been to where uh, the people who owned it they had two arcade cabinets there, and they're like, yeah, you know, look, we don't like video games weren't a huge thing here, and it's hard to get stuff to the island, but we love mm-hmm. this stuff, right? And so when I went to Germany, I was like, well. This is Berlin. There's got to be when you think about it, this it's like east meets west. There's got to be like a sweet ass arcade, you know, somewhere in the Mm. city. Answer. No. Ping. uh, uh, Sorry. Pinball is considered gambling. And so Jesus Christ, there were there was like a place that you could go and play pinball, but it wasn't it it was like, yeah, it was just like a weird thing. And it just didn't show up a lot. They just put it in the same category, I guess, as slot machines, which is weird because there's not a fucking payout, just points, you know? I guess it's like multi-balls or something. That doesn't really seem like it's worth it for gambling. I, it's, just, it's just real weird, like, the thing that I had learned. I, and I, I, if anyone knows differently, that's what that's what I read, and I, especially, like, trying to go to the one place that had pinball, I wasn't able to get in. They were like, nah, man, we don't speak your language. <laughs> I just want to play some dang <laughs> pinball. Well, mostly it's because I don't like pinball that much. I like arcade cabinet. Anyway. Yeah. I hear you. Um, there's also a new Judge Dredd poster prog, which we'll figure out how to cover at some point, Fox. I swear to God. All right. The input page is a picture of a, of slain in profile. The horn god cometh. Letters demand more good female characters starting a group called WRTBGC, Women's Right to be good characters. I mean, listen, um, we're strong proponents of that. I suggest starting at Prague one. I mean, old one eye is always there for you. Yeah. Um, Tharg plugs a judge Janice adventure in the special. Okay. Other letters demand a 2000 AD mug and mentioned that Thar- that mighty Tharg is an anagram for Margie Hitgith. Um, a reader's girlfriend has sent him Every issue of 2000 AD in the mail while he was Whoa. in China for a year. Whoa. But then Aww. when he came home, she left him for the news agent. Oh, no. Well, I mean, she's seeing him that often, and he's probably a real nice news agent. Absolutely. Or she. A final reader has one complaint. Farrell simply isn't sexy enough. I, 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 <laughs> no, he's not. And no, he's got a weird bone structure, Fox. And he's we also like it. we've seen his pustule sacks and stuff like like he's not he's never he's never quite been cool. He's definitely not been hot. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy who's really ruined his he actually hurt his mystique by taking his shirt off, Fox. Sometimes oh. you got to be careful about that, you know? Oh yeah. I'm I mean, uh, not that I would I mean, know. <sighs> not me. I'm a chiseled Adonis, but some people do. Yeah, you know, I feel for him because uh, being born this way, it's very difficult. Yeah, I look like a marble statue fox, just one that hasn't been carved yet. I mean, um, listen, it's it's about <laughs> what you. It's about discovering what's inside the stone. You know what I mean? Yeah, in my case, and I'm really unreasonable amount of chicken McNuggets. Uh, that's not. I don't end. think that's bad at all. That sounds like Come a treasure on. trove. The comic ends with a pinup of Finn stabbing a security guard as helicopters fly overhead, and there's graffiti for nine-inch nails and swilly slags. Swilly slags. Yeah. And speaking of some silly slags, Fox. Oh. Let's go to a brand new thrill okay. and learn about Thrill 4. 
Time House. <laughs> Me and my four brothers and also a lady are here at this wacky place. Why don't you join us at your Time House? Script robot Peter K. Hogan, art robot Tim Ballard, letting robot Alita fell. When the moment has passed, when the hours are ours no longer, when the seconds have been served and the minutes have been taken, at the end of the day, who knows where the time goes? Time house! Yeah. We see the, we see the time house family standing in front of their fancy time mansions and you know, I didn't do a good job of singing it. And then it pans into the, you know, it pans into the, yeah. the time house. And uh, I got that's, a very, that's what yeah. I was expecting when, um, when time house was presented to me. Um, like, like either Saturday morning cartoon or maybe like a, like a kid sitcom or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Kind of well, you know, it. it's, it's, it's your, it's your saved by the bell, but it's uh, saved by the time. Yeah, so a cuckoo clock chimes and a man in a suit and a monocle named Rex grumps that everybody is late as Greenwich the butler offers him a categ- uh, category. Yeah. Another man, a portly sort of guy with a fading hairline and a goatee, Master Michael, comes in with a black and yellow tie for a belt. Seems as a big buffet of seafood as Greenwich offers various fish dishes because it's raining fish in the Which, East Hall. Okay, great. Why? Monday complains that no one comes to these breakfast meetings Some, as another man, a blonde dude, pops in. It's Casanova on the loose, apparently. Okay. Another guy arrives, a younger man with long black hair named Richard. He notices Casanova and says they should alert the girls about him. Suddenly, a loud thack noise starts up, and the assembled dudes head off to find out what's wrong. And it's builder-type whiff. Wilf working hard to finish up 1994. Anyway, <laughs> these three men, who are brothers, I guess, have a walk and talk. And Richard says that he and the fourth brother, Nicky, were hanging out in ancient Memphis, Egypt, and notice an anomaly as Rex leads them back to the first room where he explains that they have to deal with a Yeti that's on the loose. Uh, and there's a damn Sasquatch back in there in Mook? the study. Mook. Uh, the Yeti taking a page from Discworld here. I see him doing it. Granite's just some butlering, explaining the spread. He's had proffered out for the Sasquatch as the lads gather for another mission. It seems the Yeti is King Mookamook of the Mookie Mooks, the Bigfoots from the okay. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, okay. It seems at the end of 1993, the Bigfoots will become a myth, so their job is to find the Bigfoots a big home in the mansions of myth outside the time mansion. Anyway... You find them a house, then go back to British Columbia, get the rest of the big foots and return. Hey. Rick and Michael. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just Rick like, and it's Michael, a lot. It's a lot going on. Show Mook around a bit, including a random cover full of brooms and another where Casanova is romancing some historical lady. Rex is in his office where a blonde woman comes in and recaps the plot a bit. And then we find out about the anomaly that Nick was looking into in Memphis as a bunch of little green aliens are helping to build the pyramids. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Nick seems to have settled things in Egypt as Rick and Mike show Mook the mansions of myth traveling up by Rainbow off the Rainbow Road past local commissioner Heimdall, who's talking in a Swedish accent for various reasons. They make their way into the wild wood where a friendly centaur is two-thirds horse and one quarter uh, or and one half helpful and a little wizard dude. 
It seems the challenge in Egypt is getting the alien's flying saucer through the door into time. Uh, but they finally push it or into the time mansion. They finally push it through. Then it goes careening down the corridor into the lobby and almost smashes Rex. I feel Rex like is okay, if but they have a time door and now it's got a time hole in it. If the door closes, does the time hole just show like it's there's nothing there? And then when they open it back up, is it still Egypt? Is it not Egypt? You know what? Strangely, they won't show us. Yeah, never mind. I don't care. It seems like give you a good question. <laughs> Rex is okay, but after getting hit by the UFO, he storms off to China to break some crockery. Wilf, the workman, suggests they dump the UFO in the year 1954, which is a big year. For UFOs, I guess, all they could find really is that one was spotted at a football game in Florence. In the wild wood <laughs> of myth, the boys are trying to get past a sphinx, but in the end, Rick has had enough of doing all this stuff, so he grabs some pliers and rips one of Michael's teeth out, yeah, which I don't appreciate. Pliers. And also, yeah, don't fucking pull people's teeth out. This summons Barrow the Tooth Fairy, who warps them to where they need to go, and the and they go with their Bigfoot friend to his new home in a big forest with uh, face trees. Yeah, stuff. a face tree that can touch you with its branches. Just to be clear, like I don't like that. The Mook doesn't really like it either, but figures it'll be okay. Apparently, the centaur and the wizard guy can understand his Bigfoot language, his Mooks, likes the new digs, and sacrifices okay. a tooth so that Barrow can get them back home quickly. Our two stories interact briefly along with Casanova as Rick details a shortcut they're about to take to get to British Columbia, which may take them straight through the battle of Little Tin of Little Bighorn next time on Time House. Shiver me timbers. I, I did not like this. I really like I saw the opening picture. I had of, you know, such these, a different expectation, right? These guys standing in front of this mansion and it looked like it might be like some fun, some sitcom fun. And I guess it kind of was that, but it was also kind of confusing. And I really, I really wish that they had had a page that was literally like, um, here's these characters. Yeah. Like, hi, I'm Rex and I'm the oldest brother and I'm Michael and I'm the youngest. You have have them just like introduce themselves, break the fourth wall and then do a thing. Or at the very least, like have a central character that you're kind of anchored around as you're going around this house. Hey, I'm Rex, and let me show you around here real quick. Yeah, and just kind of, like, I could have used some more hand-holding just in terms of, like, who are these characters? What's their deals? I mean, well, you, you, get, know? you get it real fast. One of them's an asshole, and everybody else doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, like, I don't know. I just, like, I found myself struggling for names, and the jokes are very light, and it's fine, I guess, but it just... It does... It, <laughs> It feels like it's actually kind of out of time in 2000 AD at this yeah. point, actually. Like, well, this well is done something pun, where, by the way. Oh, oh, my God. I wasn't even trying for that. But I just feel like, you know, when you had, like, more 12-year-olds reading the show, if you had made the youngest brother also a 12-year-old or something, this could have been like a, hey, look at my wacky family kind of situation. Yeah. Which we didn't really have, actually, in 2000 AD. I think it could have fit in there really nicely. But instead, it doesn't. It doesn't fit in nicely. And I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, amongst all of the gore, violence, punching, Tharg throwing in mm-hmm. his tails and whatever, like, it's just, it's such a weird, like, I get that it's like, I'm going to be the comedy one, and I'm like, they're all the comedy one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's just weirdly light in comparison to everything else, and so light that it just gets blown away like a tissue or something. Yeah, I just, I'm not even asking for, like, depth. Like, I felt like... 
it could have definitely just because that's the way it kind of presents itself is like, hey, we're the time house, you know, so it's a television show. And then like all of it is just like it's like watching Denver the dinosaur, but you're on acid. Well, because it is doing like the TV sitcom thing where there's two plots and then they oh, kind you know, of the like B plot butt up against each other and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I get it. But now we're going to fucking like a boat battle. So, yeah, it just it doesn't feel like. In fact, it could have been episodic. Enough. It could have been just like singularly contained as little vignette episodes. And I think that would have been mm-hmm. it would have played probably better to that strength. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they're like an effort's weird. being made here, but it's not really succeeding in that effort, I guess. I agree. Didn't like it. Speaking of something that that I do like, Fox, despite its faults, or maybe even because of its faults, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Thrill 5 Cannon Fodder. You start at the beginning like all cliched movies do, but my God, like there's a lot going on at the beginning of this one. Shout out to the monarch for all this. Absolutely. Oh, uh, scripter. Yeah. Our, our buddy or yeah. Uh, from the 2084, he's a huge cannon fodder fan. Cool. Scripter about Mark Miller, art robot, Chris Weston, learning robot, Tom frame, flash forward, <gasps> a blonde man in a leather priest superhero suit has been impaled by a bunch of spears, his right arm severed. He's in a forest full of crucified angels as a figure in devilish armor with black word bubbles taunts him. Don't worry about heaven, bubbles. old boy. Worry about what I'm going to do to you. See, that's it's a classic, classic devil man move. In the past, <gasps> we go to Dr. Watson's journal to a sci-fi London and learn about Sherlock Holmes's how Sherlock Holmes' greatest adventure began in New London in the distant future of 2004. All right, let's do that then. We see Watson, I assume the Dr. Watson, push past the press and cyber cops to find Inspector Lestrade and be led into a bedroom where Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty Moriarty are naked in bed, uh, dead having slashed their own wrists. I mean, hot and also slightly also hot because, you know, listen, I, I think we said we said before kind of when we were first uh, starting this, like uh, not on not on in the show, yeah, right? Off air. Yeah, off air. show, yeah. I, like, while this may be wrote, I didn't expect this to happen, and I'm quite happy about it, uh, and it leads to some some funny, um, but it is played I, up for shock value, right? Like, that's the feeling yeah. I get. I really like how all the cops you see are smiling, they're, are, are grinning ear to ear at this pure, at this, like, scandalous scene that they're currently investigating. Yeah. That's kind of funny. It's like, <laughs> is it, though? Look at these. And then they just start dropping Big Dave insults all over the place. <laughs> Across town, the cops are shooting at a criminal named Fleming who's taken a boy hostage, but he's soon brought yeah, down by what seems in, to in be. Fleming. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is actually. I mean, it could be. I oh, sure. I, I just figured it was a wink and a nod. Yeah, it's not possible. Be. I don't know. You used to say. But he's soon brought down by what seems to be a heavily armed Christian priest version of the Punisher <laughs> with a cool cape. You know, honestly, I didn't I didn't really slap that together. Was Punisher Punisher was out by now, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that kind of I mean it's gonna kind of to it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like the, so anything the height could of be the Punisher is in the eighties. But yeah. Um Holmes and Moriarty are given a joint funeral and cremated, and Watson seems to be in a state. 
everyone thinks it's because his friend died, presumably after having cheated on him, I guess. I don't know the relationship. <laughs> um, but it seems that a Watson knows Holmes had a plan, and he's got to stop him. The priest dude, Cannon, is walking back from the crime scene as the press asks him about the priest patrol and where he's been for the last few months. When he gets a call, it's Watson, and he needs Cannon, and he needs Cannon's help because Sherlock Holmes is on his way to heaven to kill God. <laughs> it is. It is a really great setup premise here, and I love that it's two thousand four, and they're still using like the nineteen nineties, um, like gray box flip phone with the extendable antenna. And he's like, "Oh, okay." And then the, the whole Holmes. premise is they're gonna kill God. And I, I I will say the setup for this I loved. Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty teaming up to kill God. First you had my interest, <laughs> now you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> we learned at some point in the early 2000s, everyone ever who had died had came back to life <laughs> seemingly to greet yeah, Armageddon Judgment Day. But then nothing happened. The world's Population ballooned. That is actually what I love. Nothing happened except the dead coming back to life. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's that right there. That might be uh, hell on earth. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the world's population balloons to 20 billion and four priests decides it's time to take the law into their own hands, become the priest patrol. So if they come back to life, do they need food? I think so. Yeah, I think it's a massive resource. I don't think you can feed 20 billion people. Well, they also talk about a lot of, like, animals coming back to life as oh, well. Yeah. So, I guess they talk about, like, dinosaurs and dodos Oh, and being we know they can well. be turned into burgers. Fuck yeah, buddy. Dino- no, we do. Oh, my God. Think about it. Just every dinosaur that ever existed. And it's just like, well, I mean, you're going to try it. Does every that's microbe many. that's ever existed come back yeah, to life? Yeah, I was going to say, I think you, you're just going to end up being drowned by just... Like 50 billion, no, yeah, like like a trillion years of like blue-green algae coming back yeah, to life. I feel, I you mean, know, it's obviously selective, but oh, wait, actually what that means is like horses and, and fucking T-Rexes have souls. Yeah, and like there's like a, not a lot of like cavemen dudes or deep time humans or something like that. Who's to say? I'm just saying that if that, like... If animals and and dinosaurs were also coming back, I mean, the assumption is we get resurrected because we got souls. It means everything that you eat's got a soul. <laughs> it means all dogs really do go to heaven. Oh boy, really bit us in the ass there. Also, it means like you like whatever. I gave myself an excuse to talk about deep time, which I think is fascinating. <laughs> Fox. Deep time it blew my fucking mind. Anyway, though, look, look it up. That's what I'll say. Anyway. <laughs> Look at Let's talk off air. the deep state running deep time. Listen, listen, I don't want to get into it here. I suggest everybody to Google it. And then once we get off the show, I'm going to talk to you for two hours. About fucking I mean, I'm all right with that. Anyway, yeah, come on. Um, we're in the priest. Um, so four priests decided it was time to lay down, the, to, to take the law into their own hands. They became the priest patrol. We see their headquarters, a big cathedral with Batman style weirdness armory. You know, there's a plane and dinosaur stuffed dinosaurs and stuff. Um, God did return for Armageddon and Watson and Cannon talk as Cannon trains in a let us pray with an E undershirt. All right, <laughs> They discuss Holmes's motive for deicide, but are interrupted by Sadie, the tea lady, I, who takes care of the Sadie cathedral. Sadie is my favorite character. <laughs> the other members of the priest patrol have been missing since the case of the anabolic atheists. 
and we do learn from thought bubbles yes. that Sadie and Cannon both love each yes. other, but neither can dare to admit it to the yes. other one. Yes, it is the best. <laughs> Each I, one thinks the other one's too good for them and stuff. It's excellent. I, I love, I love this because it's such a, it's, it's a nice classic turn. Such a comics trope, absolutely. That that anguished thought bubble of I love her so. Oh, well, he's she's the perfect just, man. She's got like she's got like the the uh, kind of the do rag plus the cigarette. Plus, like, mm. just, like, shoving food and shit into people's faces. Like, there you go. Anyway, to stop Sherlock Holmes, they'll need to find someone who's smarter than him. And that means going to Bedlam Asylum to pick up his brother, Mycroft Holmes. You know, since he's gone around the bed. Would you ever call an asylum Bedlam Asylum? It's so fucking unkind. Well, I mean, I think that term comes from an, an actual Bedlam Asylum. Really? Like, like the I term bedlam real, is really just, I thought it always kind of connotated. I think it might have just been a random thing, but then took some, on, some the, person's con- like took on the connotations of it. Oh, you know? it, that would be fascinating to me if true. Are you looking it up right now, Conrad? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because that, that means that I don't have Oh, I took the name from the Bethlehem Royal Hospital. Oh, it was like a... Um, uh, not a bastardization, but it was just like a shorthand term for it. Yeah, it's one of those Cockney rhyming slang kind of situations. Gotcha. But there's all kinds of fun names like that. There's a there's a a prison here in I think in Manchester that's called Strange Ways Prison, which I think is pretty dope. I love honestly. that. Yeah, but uh, Mycroft is gone around the bend. He's all crazy. Um, they. He's being kept so in a prison cell in a gimp mask and straight jacket, which can apparently turned I, I, anything into a deadly weapon. I really hope that the gimp mask was, it's like, look, you can either have this mask or the gimp mask. And he's like, the gimp mask, please. Obviously, I prefer to have my mouth zipped shut if it's possible. Mm. <laughs> um, he, he even, like, apparent, like, they try to feed him by, like, mashing up his food and having him drink it with a straw. But he even uses the straw to spit at somebody oh, at, with murderous intent. Well, because he mixes his own like bile and like fucking like stomach <laughs> yeah. acid. Like it's weird. It's weird what yeah. he's doing here. The crew heads to Bedlam and Cannon's Jesus-y Rolls Royce. And he pushes his way in, finding Mycroft in his cell. Having killed one guard with the straw. And as you said, blinded another with deadly acidic vomit that he made, churned up in his own guts. Which, my God, buddy. <laughs> Cannon doesn't have time for these sick games, though he needs help to find a way to get to heaven ahead of Sherlock. And Mycroft and Mycroft agrees, but only because he likes Cannon's smile. Oh, what the fuck? Well, you know, lesson you gotta at the at this point in time you, you can you, you gotta take what you can get, you know. Well, be ju- be, besides being murderously evil, it's also good to be sexually aggressive. That's very early. <laughs> Anyway, well, um, in some sort of space heaven, we see Watson writing a journal heaven. recounting. It's what it, it's like a tech have sci-fi. No, it, heaven. it is. I just I love because <laughs> it's where you know I love that. It's where that monsters from space, where where monsters from space go. <laughs> and uh, Watson writes in a journal recounting the resurrection of everybody. Dinosaurs walking down Oxford Street. Dodos crapping in department stores. Holmes and Moriarty resolve to hunt down and kill the Almighty. It might not be man's place to play God, but somebody's got to do it. (laughs) 
Their their whole dialogue together is adorable. We cut to Holmes and Mori Hart and Moriarty wearing their trademark Deerstalker cap Which and top hat. So cute. And they, like you say, just have some some cute running dialogue as they as they uh, take pot shots at um, angels with sci-fi rifles. Oh, good shot, old Dean. That kind of I hope we brought enough bullets. And they say there's more angels than stars in the night sky. Don't worry, old chap, if anyone... W- <laughs> it makes you think uh, the two brightest boys of Eaton together and united against the gates of heaven. Frankly, so- my friend, I wouldn't have had it any other way. So beautiful. It's, it's true love. <laughs> They toddle off to find and kill God, and that's how it's done. Um, at a bar in London where dudes in tutus have a chainsaw wrestling match, and there's people of various weird types at the bar from Nazis to Native Americans. There's a knock at the door. It's Cannon! He pushed his way back. He pushes his way in past possibly for, uh, pink-haired Freddie Mercury and sentences everybody there to a weekend prayer and three decades of rosaries. Which, that's where the wrestlers gets his head ch- chainsawed off. So awesome. <laughs> they go to the cellar where apparently it's a secret cellar where Mycroft left some gruesomely murdered men and yeah, at least one guy that. still alive having eaten his own flesh and stuff like that. Yowza. Anyway, Mycroft used the spiritual force of all these murders <laughs> to um, open a gateway to the afterlife, which this, they go I've through. Welcome, the, to par- welcome to purgatory. What the fuck? There's no time to mess around, Fox. We gotta go. That's no doubt. Last one to heaven's a rotten egg, and next time on Cannon Fodders, Hell's Bells! <laughs> Hell's Bells! Uh, All right. You know, through your reading, uh, I'm going to do a small 180. I do. There are parts of this that I really enjoy. I think it's going to take a little bit of growing on me for just because our our protagonist is it's he's just so serious, except for those little brief moments with um, with what's her name? Oh, with Sadie. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Like this, I think. At, like I like this one for the same reason you like Slaughter Bowl, Fox. Just this is just <laughs> seems to just be indulging in itself. Yes, it's a just a it's a big golden lab puppy of a of a thrill. This real dumb is aware of that dumbness and committed to it. Yeah, you know? no, it's that's very true. It, again, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes and Mortiarity are going to heaven to kill God. And they're killed popping angels along the way. It's great. You know. Anyway, enough of these series, Fox. Let's finish things up with some one-offs. No, no, no. Six. Tharg's Terror Tales and Future Shots. You can't make me do what I want. Um, Wow. First story, it's a terror tale. um, The Uncanny Doctor Doctor. Script Robot Mark Miller, Art Robot Shaky Kane, here's Shaky 2000 and Letting Robot Steve Potter. First time we're seeing Shaky Kane in the prog as an artist. I know he did like some, he did like, he was a uh, a kid who sent in a picture long ago in the nerve center. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's doing his best, like sort of Silver Age Jack Kirby impression here, which I think is really great. He's a, he's a good but divisive artist, in my opinion. Interesting. Dr. Doctor is a bald guy with a monocle and a red mustache. He's a psychic surgeon who's cured thousands, but the establishment wants to take him down. We see some Marines attack him. And Dr. Doctor is not particularly selfish, using people as human shields and running. But he's also very keen with a knife, using one to take out a military helicopter. 
Um, he decides to break into the Vatican to get a pardon from the Pope, as you do. But as he shoots his way in, it seems that he finds some kind of terrifying soul-eating machine deep in the Vatican and is never seen again. You got to laugh, I guess. Yeah, okay. I didn't. Next up, we got a future shock, a kind of hush. Script robot Peter K. Hogan, art robot John Howard, two A's, um, and lending robot Ellie DeVille, Hayward. Yeah. Um, a mostly silent future shock here. On a rainy evening, a man buys some headache tablets when a woman on, a, on the street waves to him, beckons him to a nearby bar. They head upstairs to a private room where chairs are all set up and people of various types are sort of milling about. Yeah. Suddenly in the group, he stands up and the word and a thought bubble that says, my name's Steven and I'm a telepath appears. It's Telepathics Anonymous 1993. Yeah, what the hell? One thought at a time, Fox. That's why he's got those headaches, I guess. Yeah, it's a, it's a support group for telepaths. That's not ominous in terms of, I, you know, evil groups controlling the world and so forth. Yeah, I, I mean, they seem to need the support group, I guess. No, I, I imagine if if you're a weird telepath and you're alone in the world, you want some companionship and stuff, and then you can use it to organize your conquest of the norms. You know, that's how it goes. <laughs> I mean, if I was a telepath, I feel like I'd use my powers for surely. Man, I mean, I'd use them selfishly at the very least. That's true. I freak people out. Mind freak. <laughs> <laughs> it's my move. Anyway, hey, with that, Fox, we've at last reached oh, the end. Oh, thank God. And thus, I must know from you what were your top and bottom thrills for <sighs> Progs 868-63. You know, um, obviously, my go-to would have normally been Mean Arena, but I felt that it ended just fine. Um, and I mm-hmm. do love it, and I've been giving it so much love for a while now. I'm going to, and it's not cannon fodder, though, like, I feel like now that you and I have discussed it, it may be. Um, however, I mine's got to go to old JD just simply from Ooh. like the from the visuals to how snarky uh, Judge Dredd's being right to, uh, you know, dying on the commode um, a la Elvis, <laughs> right? Like the sucking of juices, even to the point where we're seeing these sweeping landscapes almost constantly and then eventually getting buried in a tomb. I just, I really like it. Um, I didn't expect to necessarily love it. And uh, there's one special mention that I'll put in here is that um, in, uh, in Recyc, there's a camel on the conveyor belt, <laughs> which I love. Anyway, I, that's probably my top. Oh, I mean, for my bottom. God, it's such a hard, it's time house. I don't want to read Time House. Fair. And Strong Tomb Dog is fine. Extremely fair. Strong Tomb Dog is fine. But Time House, I don't like it. And Conrad, explain to me why you also don't like Time House and what you liked the most. I mean, happily put Time House in my bottom um, as my bottom thrill. Don't care for it. Not a big Time House kind of guy. For my top... Mull it over because I I think, well, yeah, I want to know. I mean, I thought Dread was was fine as well. I do just like these silly Egyptian judges. You know, it doesn't really even make sense of just like that they'd embrace their culture, but it'd be the culture of, you know, <laughs> where they lived thousands of years ago. It, um, and like, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't change any of that, even though there's been tons of technological advancements. It's like, what are you? I guess going back to deep time, have you ever seen one of those things they talk about, like how... Um, 
like Cleopatra is closer to now than she was to the building of the pyramids, you know? Oh, whoa, that's nice. Just in terms of, 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 of how old ancient Egypt is, you know, and that, and that kind of stuff. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but I thought it was fine. Strontium dogs, moderate, I guess. Like, I don't know. I felt like, ve- like, I'll say this is a very short episode of our podcast in comparison. And while part of that is because we aren't, you know, arguing about Big Dave for an hour. Oh my God, um, fuck Big Dave. I will, I will also say that in writing my recap for this, I really found myself be going, being able to write things very quickly because there's just a lot of big art and not a lot of like, developments which, or d- dialogue and stuff which is fine yeah no i want to i kind of i kind of prefer that like i like to look at my comic just as much as i like to read it and this one i didn't Absolutely. find a lot of difficulty reading other than fucking time house yeah i tell you, otherwise went down pretty smooth i'm gonna say my top is cannon fodder i, I think love it's that real fun i love that i mean <laughs> the the moment i knew it was your top was the moment where <laughs> watson says that they're off to kill god it's good. Like, and just like, you know, you Sorry. know, I'll say again, just that the, like, you know, coming into fine homes and Moriarty having committed suicide, but also being finally, lovers. They, yeah. And then they, they did that to kill God. And there's a Jesus punisher out there as well. Like, I don't know. This is all fun stuff. It's like, not, it's not bad. And especially in the early days when that stuff is still fun and if other sort of things are like, yeah, that doesn't make sense or yeah, this is getting dumb, I, I, so I'm willing to admit that we'll get there eventually. But in these early days, I got positive feelings about this cannon fodder story. Hey, listen, buddy. It, you got to find, find the gems where you can mine them, you know? Absolutely. Or mine the gems and- where you can find them anyway. Mm-hmm. One way or another, we reached the end of our show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Twitch, Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Contact at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2000 forums or our Facebook or Twitter page on Twitter at spacespinner2k. And why not drop us a rating or review wherever you're listening? Helps us out a lot. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradline. That's our podcast network. Support the show. Get advanced episodes. And come back next time, Fox, where at long last we'll finish 1993. We'll come to the ends of our current thrills. Get in a cheeky, get in a, a, a cheeky Christmas dread tale oh. and start three new stories. Okay. The all-new Mother Earth and Soul Gun Warrior. Ooh. And then we'll start the third and final chapter of Revere. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I love me some Revere. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And until then, I'm Conrad East Fox and me, our Space Spinner 2000. Splunk. 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 Splunk.